Croeso e Just a Talking. Welcome to Just a Ticket, the bi-weekly Transport for Wales podcast. Last week, we celebrated International Women's Day and the theme was Breaking the Bias. And for today's podcast, we're going to discuss that with female representatives from the organisation. Joining me in the studio today... Georgia Corp, um, Project Management Assistant, works within the Infrastructure Directorate for Transport for Wales um, on the Core Valleys Line programme. And joining me remotely... Hi, my name is Sadna Thomas. I am the Head of Information and Records Management. I'm part of the IT and Digital Service Directorate. Hello, Foxall. I'm the Managing Director of PTI Cymru and we operate Travel Line Cymru and My Travel Pass as well as a number of other things. And we're due to be joining the TFW family shortly. And Rachel Holbrook, Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Partner for TFW. Obviously, the, the theme this year for International Women's Day is breaking the bias. Can you just explain what that means? So um, it's quite interesting this year because the main quote from the International Women's Day website, which really helps kind of underpin our aims of what we want to do for Transport for Wales, is imagine a gender equal world a world free of bias, stereotypes and discrimination, a world that's diverse, equitable and inclusive, a world where difference is valued and celebrated. Together, we can forge women's equality. Collectively, we can call break the bias, celebrate women's achievement, raise awareness against bias and take action for equality. And I think In terms of how I would say um, bias um, happens is it's where people are treated less favourably than others for a number of different reasons. And for International Women's Day, obviously, we are focusing on gender. Okay, that's that's a good introduction. So, George, do you just want to talk about any sort of challenges you've had in your career and in the workplace that's related to that? So personally, um, I started March 2020 as an apprentice as a woman in the rail industry. Um, Coming from sort of school and education, I was very young and naive to the sort of the bias that women may face. I can remember on my first day sort of coming in, going to work, start my apprenticeship and a few days in, I remember going home and I was thinking there's only there's about 95 percent male in my office. And it was kind of a realisation for me looking into this break in the bias for International Women's Day. I started thinking about how we men and women can break the bias. I see it as everyone needs to take accountability and understand experiences people have faced. And for example, me and Rachel had a chat um, earlier on today and it was basically I, me going on to like sort of being an ally to Rachel and just understanding her experiences. And we just need to, in my opinion, continually, continuously educate ourselves in order to break the bias. Yeah, that, and, and what about yourself, Joe? You, you in quite a senior position what sort of um you know what have you faced in your career similarly to Georgia really um came from a background where my parents raised me to kind of believe that I could do anything so um coming into a male-dominated industry I didn't really even think about it until I was there and I think I came in um sort of um as a marketing person um which is quite a traditionally female role um and I didn't think about it until I started working um, at a depot, uh, surrounded by men, um, older men as well, and and you know, sort of through my career, um, it became more apparent. Um, I've been really fortunate, actually, that I've been surrounded by male allies, particularly. 
um, um, who've raised me up and I wouldn't be where I am today actually without um, without those really positive male role models in my life um, who, who've kind of encouraged me up through the system. Um, but I actually have found more bias since becoming a parent. Um, and, you know, um, dads might experience the same. But um, so I've gone down to four days since having my twins eight years ago. Um, and there is kind of like a, I guess, a misconception that uh, part-time work is part-time effort. I probably do uh, a full-time job in my part-time hours, but there's kind of the attitude around, oh, you know, enjoy your day off and that sort of thing, which I've actually found more challenging than than being a woman in a male-dominated industry, being a parent. Yeah. George is at the start of a career and and just beginning. And Joe, you've got that experience. So, what what would what would be your advice to to someone like George starting a career uh, in an industry that is predominantly male dominated? And always find your tribe, find your people, surround yourself with a really positive network, surround yourself with people that encourage you and that can that tell you that you can. Um, you know, you don't need to hear negativity, um, and take every opportunity offered to you. Um, something like today, you know, to, to speak about your experiences and and to to kind of um, build that network and and influence others. And Edna, what about yourself? What's what's your story? You know, and and what what um, what sort of biases have you faced in your career? Well, I have worked in in two areas that are quite male dominant, so in manufacturing and in transport, and uh, where uh, women historically have been uh, subject to salary discre- discrepancies, harassment, and stereotypes. And uh, I think the most prevalent challenge that uh, I have faced or I have been uh, surrounded by is the bias of that women inherently uh, are less uh, technically minded, so in some ways less capable and less intelligent. So um, I think uh, what I will I focus is in two things. In, in, in one, one point will be to educate ourselves, so to be aware that we all have uh, biases and we, have, uh, we all have unconscious biases. And this is not only limited to men, so it's, it's all of us we have biases in one way or the other from our upbringing and, and different situations that we have been in life. And uh, when we become aware of those biases, then we can work towards it to change them. And to and I think the, the key point is to be empathetic. So empathetic yeah. of all the journeys that we all are going through trying to uh, change our, our biases and especially unconscious biases. Um, I think um, microaggression as well is part of those biases and it's very important to kind of like to identify that and be aware of them. And I think the other part is about, about creating awareness with others and and and, and uh, work together uh, with our colleagues and, and peers. So we often are afraid to speak up. And I think it's very important that we uh, speak up when we see that biases are happening. Because often, uh, I think we are not aware that we are doing uh, doing it because it's unconscious and yeah. most of the time. And um, speaking up uh, can create uh, an environment of dialogue. And by dialogue, then we can create awareness. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really important point that you mentioned there, the fact that some of these biases are actually unconscious so we've got to take what's unconscious and bring them make them conscious really so people understand they're doing them and there's a lot of work you can do around that Rachel to to for people to understand yeah there's a really simple exercise that you can we can all do so um it's called I call it the circle of trust and um all I'm going to ask everyone on the podcast is to um Imagine it's the middle of the night and you need help desperately. 
You're yeah. not able to call any of the family. Um, so I would like you to think of two or three names uh, in the next 20 seconds of who you would call. Don't need to tell me who they are, but um, let's do some checks on this. So are they roughly the same age as you? Are they, did they go to a, have they got a similar education? Have they got similar types of jobs? Do they kind of look like you? Are they similar gender, similar ethnicity? Um, in order for you to bring your unconscious bias to um, your conscious um, state and to be inclusive is we need to widen that circle of trust. So over the next 12 to 18 months, look at who you can bring in as a friend, as an ally who is different to you, because the reason why our circle of trust most of the time reflects us, and I'll be honest, when I first did the exercise years and years and years ago, it was pretty much uh, all women, same age as me, same background, um, and they all kind of looked like me. Um, and the reason is we're designed mentally to choose the easiest path, the path that smooths things over. So what's easiest? Well, it's easier to have people around me that are like me. Um, and what we need to do is consciously bring diversity to our circles of trust. And by doing that, you're actually making the first steps to then have um, diversity in terms of um, thought, in terms of your friendship groups. And also then you can start thinking about inclusion and inclusive decision making and things like that. And it, it goes back to Edna's point, opening the dialogue because you're opening a dialogue with somebody different to you. Yes, it's an, it's a it's a good task to do to sort of um, to explain the point, and I think it's about spending time with people who've got different thoughts who are completely different. So it's about bringing diversity to your friend group, really, which will which will influence um, influence your thoughts about 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 it, really. I suppose it also applies in the workplace, doesn't it, in terms of recruitment? Um, because I think you know, for years we've recruited for fit, when actually we're recruiting in our own kind of image aren't we whereas we need to be more inclusive with recruitment um in that respect too and i suppose that we've got our edni group rachel plays a really important role in tfw for all these sort of matters yeah we um we're actually changing um so when i first started we had um working strands which covered some of our um protect protective characteristics and we're actually moving to in April is an EDI forum where we're going to have intersectional work and we're going to have EDI communities that will traverse both um, group rail and then hopefully um, wider areas as well I'm looking at Joe you know fingers crossed that I can kind of hoodwink her into into that as well um, so that we can build build upon that and um, you know quite interestingly where Joe was talking about recruitment we are working really hard. We've got some guaranteed interview schemes and, and stuff like that in TFW where we are trying to encourage people that are diverse from our diverse communities to come and join us. And, um, you know, I, I know from um, my previous conversations um, talking to Edna um, in tech, that's really, really key, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. Uh, it is very important in tech to to have an open open doors to have more women uh, working on in IT. A lot of uh, progress has been made to uh, be more inclusive, but there is uh, still a lot of work that we can 
we can do in, in IT. And I think it's very important, and um, going into that point, I will encourage women to, to look into IT roles and, and, and pursue a career in, um, on IT, uh, because um, having diversity and differences of opinions in, in any area, but in, in a male-dominated area, is, is very important, because it encourages innovation, uh, creativity, uh, better problem-solving and solutions. So for sure, I will uh, encourage uh, women to, to uh, be part of uh, IT. Yeah, so we, we've talked a little bit about sort of your personal journeys and what you've been through and, and a little bit about breaking the bias. I think what what you've mentioned a few times is is the importance of having allies and having people, and, and you mentioned that, Rachel, when we've done that task. So, you know, George, have you got any allies in the workplace or you sort of, or mentors that you sort of lean into and, and, and speak to? So obviously starting March 2020, there was two or three weeks before we went into the pandemic and started working virtually so allies having allies in your workplace I feel is just so important because it guided me through my apprenticeship by having allies you have someone there to support you and for you to even offer support to them personally I feel like it allows you to get things done much more efficiently and over a year ago I remember sort of thinking I was looking at Shamai our internal piece on for tra- Transfer for Wales and there was this other woman who would come up and um, she had just started with Transfer for Wales um, assistant project manager or project manager um, and within like our, our directorate so I went on and, and I messaged her on, on Teams and I said oh welcome to the team if you need anything I'm, I'm here to help and since then we have developed a really good relationship and even though we, we do completely different um, types of work if, if anything she needs she will always give me a call and sometimes if, if I just need general advice inside or outside of work I will also give her a call and that's just something that I just feel Yes, it's, it's a just, friendship. It's a friendship. It's it's not just having that support system. And I just feel by having an ally, whether they can give you physical support, even just that that emotional support and the advice. Sometimes you just need someone to talk through something with you. And Joe, I suppose um, what uh, George just talked about is having allies are, are building friendships with different people who you work with, and and that's really important. You know, as you go through your career as well. Definitely. I think it kind of goes beyond friendship, actually, to like a place of trust where, you know, you know that they have your back. You know that they will mention your name in a room when you're not there. You know, they will champion you. They will support you. But also they will call out anything that they see as inappropriate. So, you know, if somebody is being sexist in the workplace, they will speak up on your behalf um, and check in and make sure that you're okay. It's it's all of those things that actually um, make it easier as a woman to to achieve in the workplace um because things like that do undermine you know and 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 mm. particularly when they are men um if they are calling it out it's a very strong message to other men that that behavior isn't appropriate so so yeah it's that kind of that real trust and champion um relationship joe you mentioned about calling people out and it's it's a mixture of having an unconscious bias a mixture of possibly ignorance and sometimes worst possible end of the spectrum is malice but equally if you're at the latter end and it's just unconscious and you've not had that diverse circle of trust you've not learned Mm. anything Mm. different Mm. or diverse in your life growing up which does happen um then how do you call that person in because if somebody said something that was you know on the on the latter end of the spectrum to me um 
I would probably take it in a certain way and address what they've said in a way that then they feel like they now understand why it's not appropriate anymore. I think that's difficult as well, for, especially for older generations. They're not being prejudiced. They just there's a, there's a lack of understanding. There's an ignorance of understanding um, with a lot of it. They, you know, they're not necessarily tuned into all the conversations we're having across social media and terminology is changing all the time. I completely agree and sometimes even me being a 20 year old on social media regularly I miss things and I'm like and sometimes talking I'm like I don't want to say something I'm sometimes you feel afraid to say something because you don't know how someone's going to react but it's good that people should take that approach of if someone says something and it's, it's it's not not the correct way to say it it's kind of yeah educating them not in a sort of shouting at them way. Uh, I, I just wanted to touch uh, on the point of having allies because I think is they are they are pivotal for breaking the bias. But as well, it shows that uh, we are in in a journey together um, as individuals, but as well as an organization. And allies are so important on that. Are so important to to create this environment like uh, we mentioned before about dialogue, about creating that environment of communication, of openness, where we feel that we can. Um, talk to them about any kind of like biases that we see and especially uh, focusing on on uh, International Women's Day but about biases on, on, on gender uh, and as well um, as Joe mentioned it's so important about noticing those situations and and, and becoming um, a um, I'm, I'm becoming this um, uh, this network of, of, of people who uh, help us to change behaviors uh, I, I individual behaviors but as well organizational behavior as well so I think it's so important to have allies in 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 work but as well in our day-to-day life yeah and and are you an ally yourself Edna well I try to be an ally uh, I, yeah. I try to uh, to help anybody who's new to the organization I have to help outside of work as well anybody else who's going through a similar situation so it mm-hmm. is very important uh, uh, to create self-awareness as well about uh, how we can help to break the biases it's, sometimes we can really uh, see what is outside uh, of, of the day-to-day environment but we need to look into ourselves as well and see how we can improve our own biases how we can then become that um, improved version of ourselves to then help to break the biases in any type of a situation that we are in life. And I think one important point is that uh, we need to be empathetic. Uh, we need to uh, put our uh, our you know jacket or shoes in the position of all, of other people and and create that compassion, empathetic, be be open to listen. I think sometimes we want to provide our own experiences but it's important as well to listen and to and to learn from other experiences as well and what about tfw as an organization rachel what what are we doing as an organization to um you know to create these allies or to create an environment where people know about these different things so we have had quite a significant amount of change over the last kind of 12 months and um, we're growing as an organisation. So it's really important that we start, we're starting to build an inclusive culture. And some of the things you may have seen that we're doing around um, My Name Is, around the work that we're doing with our strategic equality objectives and resetting and creating the EDI forum. We're also looking at how we can do um 
wider programs in terms of uh, race equality 365, how we can do more gender equity uh, programs as well, and also how we can develop our recruitment um, practices and processes so that we've um, got the um, guaranteed interview schemes, but we also are looking at placement programs for people that are coming out of the justice system. And also we are working with the Welsh Council for Deaf People and doing a pilot with them as well. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of work going on in this space. Georgia, you're an apprentice. Is it quite an equal balance amongst the apprentices? When I started, there was a cohort before me and there was two girls and one boy. And then when I started, it was me being the one girl and then the two boys. So you you could say there that that is quite a 50-50 balance. But something I, I've noticed since coming out to school, so I finished school four years ago now, not not too long, but feel, feels like ages. And when I did come out to school, initially there there was no opportunities for me. There, there was nothing really jumping out I wasn't told about anything went off to college and was like this is not for me and I had to really do some digging to to find an apprenticeship suitable really because as you know those trades based apprenticeships are really targeted at the male audience so since since then I I, I've seen so many different opportunities I'd say the last year or two I'm I'm on LinkedIn and I'm scrolling and I'm like send them over to my friends and like oh look at look how good this apprenticeship is really good company it could it could be male or female but you know this more office based ones more more apprenticeships targeted at people being able to develop it into a career yeah. and I just I just feel the last twelve to twenty four months it has really developed and now my sister sixteen leaving school and I have I can talk to her about loads of different um sort of opportunities available to her and she can talk about them to her friends she will say kind of my sort of story to her friends leaving school you don't need to go down the a-level and uni route specifically because there are apprenticeships now which are not just targeted at at the male gender but also the female gender which i just feel is so so important yeah um i don't know whether you as Rachel, Edna or Joe see these apprenticeships and share them maybe with younger people that you, that you know, it doesn't have to be younger people, don't get me wrong. But um, that's something that, I, that I'm doing now, trying to spread what, what I've been through and me seeing that my only option was going to uni and finding maybe a career that I just felt I was, I was led down, not really wanting to. And then finding this project management apprenticeship and thinking, wow, that really interests me. I've never heard of it before. Um, and I really gave her a go on it and I really, really enjoy it. And now I just t- tell everyone, <laughs> doing a friendship. That's a good thing, Rachel. We're doing a lot around recruitment and diversifying our recruitment. We have um, our guaranteed interview schemes that we are running. And we also look at um, making sure that our job descriptions are really clear on the essential criteria um, because we understand that um, we want to make sure that all the wording is gender neutral. And we also have a number of activities where we're looking to do programs around um, people that are in the justice system and um, encouraging them and enabling them to have work with 
Transport for Wales and the Crith Alliance. We're also doing some uh, pilot with the Welsh Council of Deaf People for placements at the moment. And um, also there has been um, some pop-ups at Cardiff, Ponty and Chester, which is around um, women train drivers. I think the 16th of March is the last one, which is at um, Chester. And you can go along and discuss with the teams there around um, careers in rail and um, if you want to discuss um, train driving um, you'd be more than welcome to. Through the um, Transport Diversity Working Group we are um, working with Transport for Wales and Welsh Government on bringing a hub of um, women in transport to Wales Um, and the first piece of work that we're looking to do is with Huarateg to do a a piece of research around kind of the barriers to entry for women coming into the transport sector and what we can do to address that and predominantly I think it's around education Um, so it's working at kind of grassroots levels with schools with colleges to to demonstrate the wealth of opportunity available in the transport sector I think there's kind of a misconception that it is only a kind of driving engineering type roles which are obviously really valid and we obviously want more women in those roles but there are such opportunities now in this industry it's a really exciting place to be so you know we want to work with those kind of careers officers to, to let them know you know that they can encourage women and children generally to, to come into the sector when we talk about predominantly sort of masculine traits that you have in leaders or within the workplace, I, I always think sometimes females think they need to perhaps show them characteristics in order to a- achieve things. But I always say naturally the feminine qualities which a woman possesses are needed a lot more than than the ones we run, to be honest with my opinion is the way we run in the world at the moment so if you if we had more female leaders in world positions bringing them qualities you'd see a change so it's, it's telling women you don't have to behave like you know stereotypical men behave to get far in the workplace bring that new identity of yours you know the feminine qualities that's such yeah. a good point james because i think i have seen it in in like in the manufacturing industry as well you were seem to be a strong woman if you will show more male characteristics in your day-to-day activities instead of the female ones let's say or the ones that are predominantly you know female ones and uh, mm. kind of like empathy was always seen as a weakness you know yeah. and then you you yeah. should have you should have to be less empathetic so then you mm. were a good leader i've had the same sort of coming when i um before i took on the role i have now um, i was told i needed to um and i was needed to toughen up Mm-hmm. Um, and I needed, you know, to, to be more aggressive. And it, I'm sorry, it's just not my way. So if that, you know, is that's not a quality, um, I possess aggression. Um, so um, then if that affects my leadership, then, then fair enough. But actually, I found that my more um, empathetic and feminine traits have actually been okay for the last couple of years and putting yeah. people at the heart of things has been seemed to have been the right thing to do so i think it's very important to be receptive and to and to then uh listen and have like we mentioned before that dialogue because i think that the listening or communicating is very you know kind of kind of be mixed up but it's about being receptive of the message or what other people want to communicate to us and be open as well to ask to teams and colleagues you know like uh, what can I change to be a better leader or a better manager and and ultimately a better person because I think uh, being good at work or, or what we do it is the reflection of what we are at home or in mm. our day you know in our personal life so it's about mm. um 
being a better individual uh, and that then will have a positive impact into into our work. It's about telling people what you value in what they do as well, what they do well. Um, you know, that was a piece of advice I was given um, quite early on in my career was, you know, to tell people when you think that they've done a good job because actually people don't hear it enough and it's so good, um, particularly for women with that whole imposter syndrome, to hear when when you've done a good job because, you know, we sadly, the society is all too quick to tell you when you've done a bad job. Mm-hmm. Um but it's really good to hear when when you've done something well. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Uh, if we talk about retention, isn't it? Because retention mm. is uh, affects as well. And if we think about uh, what we're talking about today, about uh, you know International Women Day, I think retention is uh, is, is is pivotal uh, into those areas where are uh, very male orientated. But by saying what you said, Joe, about saying to people, you know, you're doing a, a, a good job, and for us to hear that from our uh, colleagues, then it will help. Uh, on retention as well, and which then it will increase diversity and it will make it everything uh, a little bit easier to to break the bias. It's really important that we do all this communication, these pieces, to to to, to raise the profile of it. But there's there's deep work that needs to go on as well within different organisations, like the work you were doing, Rachel, to actually make the change. So we can talk about it as much as we can put as much communications out about it, which is really important, and it does promote, it raises the profile, but there's still got to be behind the scenes a lot of work going on to make sure that it is changing and organisations are changing. I, you know, I, I know at TFW we're doing that deep work. We've got different setups for it, but other organisations, other public sector organisations, as well as private companies, they need to make sure they're doing what they're saying they're doing as well rather than just talking about it this is it it has to be action and the biggest thing that I've realized is so we have the leaders and they're functioning in a in a slightly different more strategic way and then once it hits um you know the operational side of the business it kind of hits this frozen layer and sometimes a lot of initiatives kind of get stuck there you know we work in such a fast pace in organizations not just TFW um and sometimes teams are lean especially over covid where people've been ill so for you to then take on additional bits and pieces um that involve inclusion as add-ons to how you would normally behave or normally work can be um can be um challenging so i believe in as much as possible trying to um, give empowerment and tools to individuals to play their individual parts what i'm going to do just for us to wrap up what what advice would you give to any women that want to join the transport industry do you want to go first georgia yeah so my advice would be just just go for it know your worth and know you were there for a reason never never feel that you you, you don't belong and i just feel it's really important to take any opportunity that is given to you and Ask questions. Don't worry if it's a few things a silly question. It's not a silly question. Edna, what about yourself? What advice would you give? Well, I will. I will give the same advice. I will say, if you want to work in IT, it, it is not easy, but it is. A, it is at the same time gratifying. Create that network of allies, which will help you as well to make a. You know. The, the day-to-day activities are easier. Uh, communicate. Don't be as, uh, afraid to speak up if you see that there is any biases, because then we can create awareness, and through awareness, then we can educate ourselves, educate uh, everybody else around it, and then the opportunities are and grab any opportunity, grab any opportunity that you have, um, and, and never doubt your your capabilities, whether they are not te- uh, whether they are not technically uh, enough, you know, and uh, don't never think 
showing that you are not technical, uh, you don't have, you are not technically minded to to carry out a uh, a job, uh, and and believe in yourself. That's the most important thing. And and yourself, Joe. Similarly to Georgia and, and Edna, you know, it's around finding those allies and building that network, um, and not being afraid to speak up. Definitely taking those opportunities, but also um, really important to be an ally yourself, um, to let people know when they've done a good job, to let people know um, that you're there to support them and to encourage people through the system. Um, and as women, we, we can kind of have more of this imposter syndrome, don't we? You know, that not thinking that perhaps we're good enough um, and, and just trying to ignore that and surrounding yourself with people that, that raise you up. And Rachel, what would you say as a... Uh from a TFW perspective and an EDNA group representative? So what I would say is um, it's in everybody's power to break down biases and to be inclusive, whether it be gender, which hopefully we are moving towards having that gender equity in TFW um, or any of the other protective characteristics. But what I would say is really when you're in a room and you're the person at the table, was there somebody else that could have been there? And if they're not there, speak on, speak for their behalf. And if you know that there's a voice that needs to be heard, bring that voice into the room because that's the most important inclusive thing you can do. So in Transport for Wales, um, we really want to encourage people to um, have um, to play their part in terms of um, breaking biases and to play their part in being inclusive. That's great. Well, it's been really nice to speak to you all and quite inspirational actually to hear your different stories and uh, the advice you'd give to other people. Hopefully lots of people listening to this podcast will be inspired and want their career really in, in transport and understand that there's lots of allies that can work with them and help them get that. So thanks for coming on. It's been really good. Thank you, Thank you all. Thanks, everyone. That was a really good discussion. If anyone's got any questions or comments about today's discussion, please contact us on social media using the hashtag TFWPod. And now, over to the news with Tim. Thanks, James. Last week saw the launch of an exciting new tourism project called Wales on Rails to encourage more people to travel around Wales sustainably using the National Rail Network, Heritage Railways and Buses. Transport for Wales' Community Rail Partnership and Visit Wales have jointly funded the new initiative to promote the use of public transport to get to key tourist attractions and offers visitors the chance to experience some of the most scenic rail networks in the world. It was officially launched by Welsh Government Minister for Economy Vaughan Gethin at Cardiff Central Railway Station and you can check out the website railsonrails.co.uk for more information. Away from trains, we've launched another flexi bus pilot this week, this time in the beautiful market town of Ruthin. It becomes the third flexi pilot that we've launched in collaboration with Denbyshire County Council with the other pilots currently taking place in Denby and Brustatin. And the really exciting thing about this one is it's Wales' first ever zero emission, 100% battery operated 16-seater minibus. You can find all the details about the new service on our website. And finally, a really nice story which will be appearing on our website this week about a group of children from Ascola Model School in Carmarthen who created a unique piece of artwork which has been used to bring some colour to Carmarthen Railway Station. The artwork features Merlin the Magician, who's been written about in Welsh folklore since the 12th century, showing off the magic of Carmarthen. We'll have some photos of the artwork on our website and social media, and be sure to check out the artwork if you're passing through Carmarthen Railway Station in the future. That's everything for this week. Back to you, James. Thanks, Tim. And just once again to wrap up, if you want to contact us about today's discussion or about any other topics that you want discussed in this podcast, please use the hashtag TFWPod on our social media platforms. 